So we're rebooted. We're ready to go. Okay. <laughs> See, so. no, hang on before you start. In case you're wondering, are Garner and Bryce petty just like me? <laughs> if there were uh, a petty parade, I'd be the marshal. Nobody in this building listens to this podcast, right? Oh, absolutely not. The person that is responsible for this thing, there's no chance that that person listens to this podcast? Zero chance. Okay, good. So I apologize if it seems like we're late because uh, I wanted to start this thing seven minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, but I had to reboot the computer because someone else left, their, left themselves logged in. Overnight. And, and you can't just log them out. You actually have to f- do a physical hard reboot. I have to completely shut down and then turn back on the computer. It takes seven minutes. I know that because this person leaves themselves logged in all the time to the point now. I've talked about it forever. I finally did it. You went to <laughs> our manager and you said, can you please talk to this person and have them log out of the computer? I feel like I tried that once and oh. it failed. So now I'm taking matters into much more petty hands. Oh, my God. And I have a piece of paper I've hidden in this room, and every time I have to come in here and log them out, I'm making a tick. The way a prisoner who's counting down yeah. his, there's, it's an actual piece of paper. It's hidden, and I'm not going to tell you where. There's four checks on here already. Yeah, and uh, I'm counting since the start of January. What? Four, and we're only in late January. And I probably missed a couple, so I'm being generous off the top. And I want to, at the end of the year, calculate all the ticks, times it by seven for the seven minutes, and count how many minutes of my life I've wasted waiting for this computer to reboot. And then calculate how much you make per hour (laughs) and bill this person for all your wasted time. Holy cow. Now that I say it out loud, I'm like, what's wrong with me? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly Podcast. Do we still have to do that thing over the theme where we say important words? Oh, yeah. Paradigm shift. Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, we could. Coniferous. Is that deciduous? We're just naming trees now? Uh, Yeah, here we go. Paradigm shift. Carnivore. Dewey Decimal System. Belt Buckle. That's not sophisticated. (laughs) (laughs) It was supposed to be important words. Oh. (sighs) Anyway, welcome to the podcast. My name's Garner Andrews. That's Bryce Kelly sitting right over there. Second podcast of 2022. Um, Are the old podcasts, are they still called Lawn Chair Profits or has everything been renamed? Do we know that or? Oh, I don't think we went back in. Uh, I think the artwork maybe. I don't even know. Okay. So if you're suddenly listening and it's called Lawn Chair Profits, well, you're listening out of order. That's what the podcast used to be called. Yeah. And it was called something else before that that I've already forgotten. Top ranking podcast. That's right. <laughs> Remember? And then they made us change that name because, well, it was not a top ranking podcast. Yeah, Apple didn't think it was very funny. So they made us change it. We certainly did. And uh, <laughs> here we are. So we're going to do recommendations now. This is where we tell you the stuff we're into, and then we make you do that stuff. We make you. We become the bosses of you. Yeah, it's like I'm the professor, and this is your required 
TV watching, I guess. Show, yeah, podcast listening. listening. Uh, mine's book reading this week. Like an book actual book reading. <laughs> I like know. a nerd. I actually so I got an Audible. Oh, I probably wasn't supposed to say. I got a subscription to an audiobook service for Christmas, and I love it. But I actually, this one, I bought the actual physical book like a nerd, and I carry this book around with me. Do you know who Jeff Tweedy is from Wilco? Yes, I do. So I love that guy. I love how he writes songs. I love Wilco's music. And I just recently discovered I can't write a song lyric to save my life. I'm trying to write music songs, Bryce. Ooh. I can pull a riff out of my ass. I can, there's melodies everywhere. You did the theme song that we just heard. Yeah, that theme song, I made that up. Mm -hmm. So I have no trouble coming up with music. I just can't write words to save my life. And then somebody said, hey, why don't you try the Jeff Tweedy book? He has a song, he has a book about songwriting. And sure enough, I had no idea this existed. Hmm. And it was one of those deals. I went on Amazon. It's like a Sunday morning at 8.30 in the morning. And I ordered the Jeff Tweedy book. It was there that night. Did I talk about that on this podcast? How is that even possible? Yeah. Like I got the book delivered on the very same day. That's crazy. That's the benefit of living in a thriving metropolis. I'll save you 30 bucks. Oh. Just let your heart do the talking. Yeah. There. Whatever. You just saved yourself $30 in a book. So anyway, if you're a, a, an aspiring <laughs> musician and you struggle with writing lyrics for songs, the book is Jeff Tweedy, How to Write One Song. Um, he removes all the mystery surrounding songwriting. He makes it, it's not like this precious, special moment that all of a sudden lightning hits you and you have a song. No, he, he's like, you got to start these habits. You got to do these exercises every day. And pretty soon before you know it, uh, the riffs that fall out of your ass, lyrics will be falling out of your ass too. And in no time at all, you will be rhyming street and heat. You'll be rhyming tomorrow and sorrow. And when you get really, really good, you will be rhyming girl and world. Ooh, that is good. Yeah. Ooh, I need to read this book. Jeff Tweedy, How to Write One Song. It's good. It's small, too. It's not a very big book. I feel bad. One year I went to Lollapalooza. Mm -hmm. That's in Chicago. <laughs> Nobody and likes a bragger. It's, uh, it, most years at Lollapalooza, they have two headliners playing at the same time, and you kind of have to pick yeah. which one you go see. And the year I went, I feel so bad. Wilco was one of the headliners, and playing on the other stage at the exact same time, was Rage Against the Machine. Oh. Where do you think most people went? Yeah, like the diehard Wilco fans would have been, and they do have diehard fans, but it's tough to compete with Rage. I think in a festival of about, it was about 100,000 people. I'll guess that 90,000 were at Rage. Wow. So it was a bit, I felt bad for Wilco on that one. They got a bad bounce with the time slot. They sure did. Didn't know he had a book though. Yeah, he's got a couple. Oh. What about you? What do you got? Well, mine is kind of piggy, piggybacking off of a recommendation you made at some point last year. Uh, you recommended a podcast. Against the Odds? About the uh, rescuing the boys from that cave oh, in Thailand. Yeah, that was Against the Odds Thai Cave Rescue. And it sounded really intense. I, I never actually listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you took all of my recommendations seriously. Huh, that one, I, that's the one I missed. Oh. Uh, but... Recently, I was thumbing through Disney Plus. There's a National Geographic part in Disney Plus, and stumbled across a documentary that came out in October. So it's a few months old, 
but it's called The Rescue, and it's this two-hour, very detailed documentary about that same thing. Okay, I'm going to need to watch that. Holy cow. I remember some of the things you talked about, about how, like, the boys had to be drugged and knocked out. Oh, yeah. And then have their hands bound behind them and pushed because they would freak out. Imagine if they came to... And you're underwater strapped to some guy's chest who's swimming you out of a cave. You would wig the F out. In the pitch black. Yes. Where the space is just big enough for you to float through. Yeah. And this thing details the entire thing. It interviews everybody except for the, the boys. They're the only ones who aren't. But all the rescuers are interviewed. And you would think that the guys who are in charge of this rescue would be these strapping military types who were flown in from Just special chiseled, ops somewhere. You know, faces chiseled out of stone. And I was blown away as the rescues were actually a bunch of gangly old British men. <laughs> yeah, because they were experts at this. Because cave diving is such a, only a few people are brave mm-hmm. enough to do it because it's horrifying. Oh, yeah. And so they had to bring in these guys who do it in their spare time for fun. So it's just these British guys who have no experience rescuing people. And going through about, like, how long it took to actually find them, because they didn't know where they were in this cave system. Yeah. And they thought, and they were talking about how they were prepared to find 12 dead bodies in there. Yeah. That they actually had body bags. Oh, yeah. Ready to go. And it is horrifying. And there's just these guys, and they're really well-spoken, the rescuers, talking about how the feeling of knocking, like, putting drugs into a kid— Watching them go unconscious, putting a mask on their face, hoping, hoping it's sealed, that it's sealed, <laughs> oh, and then pushing their heads underwater. Oh! And for most of this, because it's so tight, they actually have to have the boys just in front of them, and they're just kind of pushing them along. And there's a couple pockets where they can pop up and check and be like, "Okay." They thought maybe getting one out alive would be a victory. Yeah. And they somehow get all of them, and it's just wild. What's that called again? It's called the rescue. The rescue. One day I'm going to save enough money and I'm going to get Disney Plus. Just get the free subscription for 30 days. I already did it once. <laughs> Use a different email address. <laughs> Do it again. Uh, it's in the I, National I, Geographic uh, part. It's outstanding. It was horrifying. Yeah. Hey, and if you ever, I don't know if, have you ever looked at it before? If you go on YouTube, you can see the actual video of those British guys popping up for the very first time in that cave. And you can see the boys like, what is going on? Yeah. And they, they show that moment and they talk yeah. about, cause they pop up and it's so dark that the first thing they do is they take off their mask just to smell. Yeah. And they could smell it. And they could smell. And they're like, Oh my God, yep, dead bodies are here. And they're like, Oh no, they're, they were just on the side of this cave. They barely had enough room to sit down. They were there for days. Yeah. They had no concept of how long it had been those boys. And then they had to be like, oh, my God, you're alive. Uh, well, listen, we got to go get the stuff and figure this <laughs> so, out. So someone will totally be back. We'll be back. And then eventually these <laughs> other, these military guys finally get in there and then they get stuck. So then there was, there were a couple of military guys who were stuck with them. Oh, and it's just like, holy It is cow. the creepiest thing I've ever heard of. It's horror. And to see the visuals yeah. and all the video and just the complications that could have happened and. Holy cow, it was But the takeaway from all of this, and the one thing that I walked away from the podcast from was, you never know who's going to, like sometimes the least obvious person is going to be the solution. And I think that's what this is. I think that's one of the things about the whole Thai cave rescue is the guys who kind of came up with the solution you would never you would never pick them out of a lineup. No, they're just hobbyists. They just yep. cave dive for fun and they're just yeah, these British guys, unassuming and they save the day. 
I feel like your recommendation is way better than mine. It was pretty good. It was. You're listening to the Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly Podcast. They're trapped in your phone. Forever. Uh, I never did come up with a dump chat jingle. or We did talk about how if we were to start a podcast, like a spinoff from this show mm-hmm. called Talking Trash... That was the recommend. Yeah, that was, so or dump chat. We were just going to do dump chat, where we just talk about your favorite dumps and the best things you found at the dump. Yeah, be clear. It's like we're talking. About- <laughs> like yeah, this landfill. one time I'd had a lot of chimichangas, <laughs> and uh, no, we're talking about a landfill, land- <laughs> a, land- a garbage dump, garbage dump. And then someone texted and said you should call it talking trash. Talking trash is pretty solid, which is really good. So if we started a, I don't know, like a three or four hour weekly podcast where we just talk about. Uh, dumps all over the world. Do you think there'd be an audience for that? I think there would. Uh, We'd start here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and just branch out from there. Oh man. Some of the stories that were coming in the other day, everybody loves to talk about the dump. We should say this whole thing started. We didn't just randomly start talking about dumps. How did we start talking about this? There was a story of two guys in Winnipeg. Oh, right. Garbage Hill. Who were tobogganing on a place called Garbage Hill. Yeah. Which apparently is an old landfill made into a hill. And they got hurt on it, and they're suing the city. And the city's saying, we have signs everywhere saying not to toboggan on Garbage Hill. Yeah, it's called Garbage Hill. Beat it. <laughs> I just love that it was called Garbage Hill. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even try. I think here in Edmonton, a couple of golf courses are on. I think that's pretty common, actually. I think so, yeah. Golf courses on former landfill sites. So then everybody just started talking about the wonderful times, the wonderful items that they've brought home from the dump. I do like, we heard from several people, even a guy who works here. Hey, Stephen Crane, who grew up in um, Whitehorse. Oh, yes. And he was talking about the Whitehorse dump is spectacular. And a lot of people texted in and said, yes, I can confirm the Whitehorse dump is next level. It was so good that there's a guy named Walt Humphreys who wrote a weekly column in the Whitehorse newspaper about things that were found at the dump. Like, can you imagine? This week at the dump with Walt Humphreys. Oh my God, I love that story so much. That's amazing that someone made a career out of the dump. Oh, listen to this one. I found my current glasses at the eco station, (laughs) which is (laughs) so here in Edmonton, if you're not from here, um, we do have a huge landfill, a huge dump, but you can't go there. So what you do is you go to these eco stations that are set up all over the big city, and that's where you take your items, and then they transfer them to the dump. It's like a bottle depot, <clears throat> but for old computers. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I found my current glasses at the eco station. I was getting rid of an old desk and some old electronics and found them just sitting in the electronics bin. They're Ray-Bans. One of the lenses oh. was missing, but it doesn't matter because I took them to my optometrist and had prescription lenses made for them. I'm wearing them right now. Jeff. Hey, everyone. Jeff has garbage glasses. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Is you, their cleaners powerful enough to... <coughs> like, oh, why do you smell weird? If you find your glasses in a garbage dump, do you tell everyone who says, hey, I like your glass, do you tell them where they came from or do you keep that to yourself? Just say you found them and leave it at that. Or you could just say I bought them (laughs) in a legitimate (laughs) optometry dispensary. Yeah, I found them at the dump. Yeah, it'll just turn people right off. Man. Uh, Hey, guys, for trash talk. No, it's talking trash. I grew up in Jasper. We used to call the dump the East Side Mall. 
as it was just outside of town to the east. We always found good things out there. Whenever my dad or my friend's dads were going, we would all pile into the truck to go see what was out there. Sometimes we'd bring back more than what was being brought there originally. Oh. Man, the east side mall. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. You know what? I've never been I've never been to a dump. <gasps> what? No, I've never had the joy of just walking around on a huge mountain of garbage. Oh. In my head, there's seagulls flying everywhere. There's One of the greatest days of my parenting life, my beautiful, beautiful daughters, they would have been, I don't know, seven or eight years old at the time. And we were at my beautiful bride's mom's house in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, where the dump is majestic. <laughs> And I bet she had a bunch of stuff that needed to go to the dump. And I was looking for an excuse to get out of the house. And I'll take that stuff to the dump. So I loaded the girls in my truck with the junk we were taking there. And I took them to the dump. They were horrified. <laughs> it smelled so bad. And I'm not even joking. I did the homicide detective get trick. And I put, um, I didn't have Vicks Vapo rub to rub on their upper lips. So I just took some hand lotion that was in the truck <laughs> and I put it on each of their lips and they were okay with it. And we got out, we smashed windows, we broke a TV. <laughs> and then they came around on the dump. Then <laughs> they were fine. Oh, oh my God. That's why you have kids is to take them to a dump. I don't, my mom didn't take me to a dump. That's outrageous. Wow. I'm surprised you weren't handed over to foster care. Finding just a row of windows to shatter or... That's what we did. Oh, found, like That was the day that I bet you we found 14 old school storm windows and somebody had just leaned them up against something. I'm like, what is going on here? So I separated them all and we took turns smashing windows. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, I should take a vacation to, to the dump. I'm going to summer there. Yeah. I used to work at the Waste Management Center. That's fancy talk for dump, I believe. I think so. Um, when I first started there, I always thought it was gross that other people would pick items out. Then one day I caught myself reading Trivial Pursuit cards from a pile. It was then that I realized I had become one of them. <laughs> the dump people. Yeah. Oh, man. Trivial uh, Pursuit cards. That's what it took, hey? Oh, do you want to hear an absolutely horrifying one? Yes. This is almost enough to keep me out of the dump forever. Oh, God, is it a body? Daryl here. My ex-wife works for animal care and control here. They had a boa constrictor brought to them years ago that was found at the dump. Ooh, garbage oh, snake. garbage snake. Oh, <laughs> dump snake. Oh, are we going to keep going or have we had enough? It's insides are probably just full of old uh, cans. Let's grab a phone call here. Hello? I have found so many gems at the dump. My favorite would have been uh, the snowmobile that ran, and I sold for 500 bucks. What? Hang yeah. on. Um, also, I found a uh, piano that was perfectly fine, a one-piece snowsuit, um, and everyone's, the crowd favorite was the dump Jesus. There's these like wood plaques from like probably the eighties or seventies, maybe that had a picture of Jesus on them. We found a couple of those and that was everyone's favorite decor in my house for many years. So could I put you down as a potential subscriber if we do a podcast called talk and trash? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me more about the snowmobile. Like you get, there's a snowmobile just sitting in the dump and you're like, hey, I think I can get that thing running. Uh, 
we were leaving the dump as this guy was coming in with a snowmobile on the back of his truck. And I said to my husband, I was like, I'm pretty sure that guy's bringing it to the dump. So we asked him and we backed our trucks, truck beds, like bumper to bumper. And we just slid it off his truck into ours. And yeah, we got it home and it fired right up. This is like the most Canadian thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> hey, the dump's yes. giving away free snowmobiles, everybody. <laughs> I feel like everyone's going to go to do tours around the dump just to see if they can find any gems now. Wow. What's your first name? Larissa. Okay, Larissa. Thanks for being a part of uh, dump chat or talk and track, whatever we're calling this. <laughs> Sounds good. Take care. My God. That's like the most Canadian thing ever. I just love the dump chat. No, talk and trash. Talk and trash. It's taken off. I love the fact that they backed two trucks together, box to box, and they just transferred the snowmobile from one to another. That's how you do it. Yeah. That's probably one of the better items found at the dump. Let's grab another one here. Hi. Yeah, no, I, uh, I used to drive a, a bin truck uh, years ago, and uh, I was working one Saturday. And typically, we'd haul construction waste, but sometimes people would come in uh, and they'd order bins for, like, spring cleaning. So I get to the dump uh, one day on a Saturday. Um dump out the bin and all of a sudden these golf balls start falling out of this bin and i'm like i wonder if there's golf clubs in here sure enough i found some golf clubs in the back as well and saturday the dump's deserted so took a break and just started hitting balls at the dump (laughs) yeah bang out a bucket of dump balls oh yeah it was great it was the best saturday i worked ever that sounds like a deleted scene from happy gilmore doesn't it? It makes me think of that scene in Seinfeld where Kramer's just hitting golf balls into the ocean. Oh, and one gets lodged in, in a, a blowhole. In a blowhole. <laughs> you're just launching. You're just hitting bombs at the dump. And all of a sudden, there's an ambulance pulls up. <laughs> they go sprinting in. You just wailed some guy off in the distance. Who was over there breaking windows. <laughs> With his kids. With his kids. Seven-year-old daughters missing four <laughs> teeth. Oh, Man, oh man, is that enough dump chat or do we just keep on going? Ooh, I'm, I li- I'm liking dump chat. Uh, dump chat, you're on the air. I'm calling to tell you there's a group on right now where you can go to a rage room and smash to your heart's content. Or you could do it for free and sneak into a dump after hours. Well, I guess. I guess. That's probably illegal, though. <laughs> probably. And the rage room has all the tools and the safety gear. That'd be like, would that be the worst job ever or the best job ever? Being the person who has to reset the rage room after you've been raging in there? The worst. There's a lot of broken glass. Yeah, you'd be sweeping. You'd have to bring a new TV in. Yeah. A new table to flip. You actually get to pick all your own stuff, though, and then you bring it in. Eh, a A rage room is not the dump. No, and Rage Room is so overwhelming. It overpromises and underdelivers. I've You've been, been to, one. to one? I've never have. I've been to one. You go in, and the idea on paper is fantastic. You just go in there with a bat or a golf club and go to town, but they have to restock this every single time. So you go in there. They have like five plates. Oh. There's no TV. There's no windows. Like It's just a few things, maybe a teacup you can smash. Are there any priceless family heirlooms? There's nothing of sentimental value. Fabergé eggs? <laughs> There's nothing of actual value. Oh. And if you go in there with a sweetie, you think that a rage room on a date would be fun. You let your sweetie go first, because I'm a gentleman. Yeah. They break everything, and you're left with nothing. You're just breaking up pieces of already broken glass. Oh, no. Really? So disappointing. Oh. Yeah. Avoid a rage room. Go to a dump. I saw on Facebook or somewhere the other day an ad popped up for a mobile 
rage room. Oh, God. Like it was in the back of a cube van. At what point, <laughs> what point do you just go see a therapist? Yeah. Where, what's going on in your day that all of a sudden you're like, I am so outraged, but I don't have time to go to a rage room. If only there was a rage room that come to me. I'm a businessman with business needs. Yes. They but need I to need to, to smash Pyrex now. <laughs> it says a lot about, can you imagine though, if all of a sudden your boss just gets up and he walks out into the parking lot, goes into the back of a van, comes back in a few minutes. All you've heard for the last five minutes is just breaking glass and TVs being smashed. Then he comes back into the build. He's going to come off like a psychopath. This comes in dripping sweat. Yeah. You just oh. heard screaming and smashing. Okay, one more. I went to a rage room a couple of years ago. It was such a massive letdown. Yes. You have to buy all the junk to smash for outrageous prices, and then you can only smash the stuff you bought on a platform in the middle of the room. Two out of ten would not go again, Tony. You know that song from way back when, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy? Mm-hmm. Save a rage room, go to the dump. That's going to be my song. You've got that tattooed on your neck. I'm going to use. I'm going to read that Jeff Tweedy book. You're listening to the Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly podcast. Are we going to use my super cool intro that nobody will get the? Uh, well, do you know what this is from? Parents. Weird. Weird science. Oh. Yeah, I know things. I had no idea you knew what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I know science. Yeah, that's a pretty professional jingle I put together there. Yeah, <clears throat> sure. Yeah, we're just talking about uh, weird parents. Well, it started with a text that came into the show. The, uh, the one that says, hey guys, I need to share. My parents just bought two condos side by side in a new complex. They're not divorced. They just like having their own space. Weird? Yeah. I think that's weird. Yeah, that's not, I don't know. Like, you can live in one place together and he has his room, she has her room. Yeah, we've heard lots of people who live, like, sleep in separate beds or sleep in different rooms. Yeah. And that seems pretty normal, I guess. Well, somebody texted after we read this and said, I think that that's just the parents not wanting to tell their adult children they're divorcing. Ooh. That's... Divorce. Divorce. Those are people who still talk about it in hushed tones, like yeah. it's the 50s. <clears throat> no. Divorce. Can we invite Margaret for Christmas? She's a divorcee. No. <laughs> she can't come for Christmas. If I learned anything There'll from the- There'll be married men here, and she will destroy marriages. If I learned anything from the first season of The Crown, and that's all I've oh. watched, it's that divorce can take down a family. Yeah. A royal <laughs> family. It's so- uh, yeah, when you watch old shows, the way the it's so the thinking about divorce is kind of outdated. Well, that's the the cliffhanger at the end of season one of The Crown. If you haven't seen it, is that the queen's sister wants to marry a man who just got divorced, mm. and uh, his ex wife is not dead. Oh. He's not a widower. He's divorced, and because of that, she the queen cannot approve of the marriage. Wow. Different times. Anyway, what were we talking about? I can't even remember. We should probably go home now. Is, <laughs> oh, that, right. a, is that enough podcast? <laughs> oh, right. The weird parents. Oh, yeah. So anyway, no, I just hear <laughs> about the two condos and all I think about is like, that is your parents spending your inheritance because that's not cost effective. They're going to have not one, but two condo fee bills per month. And everybody knows that's what's going to bring you down. Oh, the condo fees. Because you can't control those. What if you get assessed? 
Yeah. Forget about it. What if it. it goes up? What if your building needs new siding or a new roof, God forbid? I hope they check the uh, reserve fund. Yeah. I don't know. That just does, that something seems weird about that one. It does seem strange. I feel like, and who proposes that idea? Who goes to their partner and is like, hey, I got a fun idea. How about uh, <laughs> you get this condo? I'll live in that one. Because if one of you, if the person who is being proposed, that idea is being proposed to, thinks it's a dumb idea, your marriage is over. It's done. Yeah, you have to be certain. It's like proposing marriage in the first place. Yes. You better be sure the answer is going to be yes, or oh. you're in for a bad time. <laughs> Weird parents. <laughs> My parents were fans of keeping leftover pizza in the turned-off oven versus the fridge. Now I do this habit as an adult, and my wife hates it, Landon. I hate that idea too, Landon. That is the weirdest thing to me. I've never heard of that before. It always goes in the fridge. Why wouldn't it go in the fridge? Why would you keep it in the turned-off oven? Like, why wouldn't you just put it in a cupboard at that point? It's not like... uh, it's it's not going to stay extra fresh because it's in the, the oven. oven. Eh. That seems bizarre to me. Uh, we had an old van my parents would take skiing. One year they put the old turkey carcass in there after Thanksgiving so my mom could make soup. She forgot it. Oh. And in the spring when we went to go skiing, we found the frozen remains. Ooh. <laughs> oh, grim. <laughs> That'd be a horrifying discovery. Oh, but you had you had turkey. You had turkey on the trip to the ski hill. Oh, <laughs> that's disgusting! My God! At least it was frozen and not in the middle of summer. Here's somebody else. We leave our pizza in the oven over one night only. We usually get enough pizza for supper and the next day's lunch. If we put it in the fridge, the crust gets hard, and we work outside so we don't have any way to heat up the pizza. And we never get upset stomachs over it. Uh, I couldn't believe the number of people who texted in saying that this is the technique they use. Yeah. To the point that I did a scientifically binding Twitter poll. And how did that work out? Let's just pull it up here. Uh, 92.1% say they put their leftover pizza in the fridge. They're right. And that's how it should be. Landslide victory. Everything else is weird. Um. My mom would count the cans of pop before she left the house in the morning. And then again, when she got home, (laughs) you would be grounded for a week if there were any missing. I feel like that's a rule that mom didn't just put in for fun. Yeah. Something happened in that house and she now is militant about the pop. Because somebody got pop drunk. (laughs) Somebody got pop wasted and barfed all over their bedroom. (laughs) Oh, gross. (laughs) My dad never threw out his underwear, holes in the arse, and barely any elastic in the leg and waistband. Worst of all, he would walk around the house in just his broken underwear, even when I had a girlfriend over. Oh, my. Ugh. That's a dad that just wants to be noticed, isn't it? (laughs) But, like, not in a good, good way. It's like, hey, notice me. Don't forget me. I might be old, but I'm still cool, right? Oof. No. And then is, it, is that just a signal to the girl to be like, this is what you have to look forward to in your future? Oh, yeah. Out. <laughs> That's a good way to make sure no one comes over to your house. I asked my son if he thought I was weird. He instantly said, yes, you don't shut up about how great your new socks are every time you get new socks. <laughs> uh, I think I might do that. It is a good feeling. I do rave about new socks. You have to keep that inside sometimes. Yeah. You have to know when to hold them, when, know when to show them, 
know when to fold them. That's what I always say. Oh, this one right here. This one captured the hearts and imagination of an entire nation. My dad is by far the weirdest person I know. The big memory that sticks out in my head is the time he blew his nose oh. in saran wrap <laughs> at the dinner table. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> in saran wrap. Gross. <laughs> Oh Jesus Christ! I wasn't prepared for the end of that. No, can you imagine? Like, do you at the table? Do you look into the saran wrap after? Do you? <laughs> That's a guy who saw like a glass bottom boat ride and is like, I need to take this into the real world. <laughs> yeah, the saran wrap Kleenex is the glass bottom boat of nose blowing. Oh, oh Christ. Because everybody in the boat can enjoy it, and so can the fish. The fish can look up into the boat and go, look, boogers. Oh, oh holy gross. crap. Let's see oh. who's, uh, hello. So I got a funny dad story that happened not too recently. Okay. Uh, so a um, couple years ago, my uh, uh, father-in-law, he uh He's always trying to be a helper at home, and he was house-sitting for us for a weekend when we were out on a trip. Uh, before we had left, um, he asked us what we were up to, and we had just seen the Avengers movie, and we're like, yeah, it was really good, and, you know, just idle chit-chat. When we came back home, every light switch's base plate was switched out with an Avengers base plate. <laughs> I'm, I'm 40. But yet, you came home... To what appeared to be like if an eight-year-old had just bought his own house. Yep. And, yeah. I appreciate the thought there. Thanks, Dad. That's so weird because then, like, that's a tricky one, too, because that next time he comes over, if you switched all the plates back, he would be offended. Did you have to leave them up? Uh, they are still up years later, and like I said, I'm in my 40s now. That's one of those things you don't ever want to buy anyone as a gift. Don't ever buy them anything that's like a permanent fixture in their home because they will feel obligated to use that thing because every time you come over, you will notice whether they used it or not. <laughs> Sounds like you're talking from experience. Eh, maybe. <laughs> I couldn't imagine coming home and all of the light... Of plates on my in my house were Avengers. Yeah, thing? like Superman and Batman. <laughs> I don't even know who the Avengers are. Then you find out he probably threw out the old ones, so you have to go buy new plain oh. ones. <laughs> That's a big job. And have you noticed lately? It's probably supply chain, but as I'm renovating my house, it's harder and harder to find white Decora switch plates, Bryce. Oh, it's tough. But these are my problems. Those are pretty big problems. Oh my God! Are we going to keep going or not? <laughs> I'm still. Oh, this one. About saran wrap. This one. My mother invited my husband and I for roast beef. When we sat down at the dinner table, she lifted the lid of her corningware dish. We discovered it was lunch meat that she had heated up. <laughs> when we called her out on it, she denied that it was lunch meat and acted as if though she had no idea what we were talking about. Like she was duped at the grocery store meat counter. Oh, man. <laughs> it's quite a difference from like oh. a roast beef that you make in the oven versus the sandwich meat. Are we talking about like a can of... Oh, no, she's probably talking about sliced deli meat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. You're not fooling anybody. When my siblings and I were young, one of us took a bite out of a chocolate bar we weren't supposed to eat. 
None of us fessed up to it, so my dad made us all bite into a block of cheese, lined us all up, and compared the cheese bite marks to the chocolate bar. He was able to figure out it was my brother. If it, of course it was him, it always was. Oh. I hope that's the origin story. of Who's that main guy on CSI? Horatio Kane. Horatio Kane, or was it David Gil Grisham? Grisham? Oh, Gil Grisham. Yeah, yeah. And that's his origin story. That's yeah. how he got into the business. <laughs> his kids eating chocolate bars. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is some dad CSI, some DSI. <laughs> some forensics. <laughs> I got pages of these things. You don't want to just keep hearing me read, do you? People had weirdo parents. This is fantastic. Ooh, ooh. ooh. Um, my wife's mom also used to keep cupboard meat. It was so weird. She also had a fridge. Josh, this stems from a, a message we got from somebody who said that their mom, if they were having roast beef for dinner, the mom would put the leftover roast beef in the cupboard, but not the fridge. And they would pick away at cupboard carcass for days on end. Why wouldn't you put that in the fridge if you had one? That's the weirdest thing to me. It and then several no people said, yeah, they kept it in the cupboard. That's Ugh. so strange. I don't want cupboard meat. My dad hates high-definition hockey. He has to watch it in standard definition. It drives me insane, Johnny K. I don't get that one. The, have you tried to watch a standard definition hockey game lately? Every now and again, you accidentally put on a standard definition channel, and you're like, what happened to you're my like, eyes? <laughs> Did yeah. I, I, Do I have glaucoma? <laughs> what happened? You start panicking. Do I have syphilis? Oh my god! Am I going blind from gonorrhea? Why would you pick standard definition over high def? I don't know. This picture is too clear and too crisp. Uh, this one, I was actually driving to work again, thinking about this one because it haunts me. My mom called farts poo burps, <laughs> which is that is. Poo and burp, those are just two graphic words together that are way worse than fart. I don't get that. <laughs> this person goes on to say, if we farted, uh, it cost us 25 cents from our allowance and a burp cost 10 cents. Apparently, we weren't getting the polite message or using good manners. So the cost would just go up the more we did it. So your mom was making you suppress farts. She was. That's not healthy. No, it's not. No, sorry. Fining them for farting. Did you ever look at your mom and go, that was pretty ignorant. It wasn't very smart. But if it would have come out the other end, it would have been a fart. <laughs> Poo burps. Poo burps. I hate those two <laughs> words together. I can't stand them. Uh, it just puts this image in my head of puckering that I don't want. <laughs> my mom used to microwave chicken breasts, not just to thaw them. But to cook them. Ooh. <laughs> gross. That'd be so rubbery. And that's the visual appeal. Like, because the chicken breast wouldn't change at all. It might get a little whiter, but <laughs> like that's. Chicken needs to change color and consistency before you can eat it. Holy and cow. it does neither of those things when you put it in the, uh, the microwave. <laughs> that's disgusting. Okay. Do you want to hear. Christmas cards or Gold's Gym? Oh, let's do the gym one. 
Back in the late 80s, my dad got himself a Gold's Gym membership and he'd stop there on his way home from work for his workout. The funny thing is, is that my dad would never be seen in shorts or a t-shirt, so he would go to the gym and work out in his dress pants and a collared shirt. It was so weird to see him come home soaking wet in his work clothes. <laughs> I can't imagine what others at the gym must have thought. Kelly. Yeah, it's a good thing this is before social media because there would be several pages devoted to your dad every, and photos of him working out in his dress pants. Every now and again, I'll see a guy working out in jeans and I think that's weird. Yeah. You're like, did that guy forget his gym clothes? But to be in full blown like dress pants and a button up shirt. Yeah. I would, my first thought is like, oh, he wants to go all Incredible Hulk on that shirt. Oh, yeah, and just one day bust a button off. He's going to keep doing curls for girls until he bursts through that shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Does he do the move when he's bench pressing and stuff where he flips his tie over his shoulder? I hope so. He's doing dishes. I hope so. Thanks for listening to the Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly podcast. Theme music by Garner Andrews. Guests of the podcast stay in the dumpster behind the building in the rail yard. Classy.